Please join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another good day. We thank you for a day to study your word, to learn from your word, learn more about who you are. Lord, I pray that for each of us here, that we would continue to grow in that and experience you in wonderful ways. We love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. There's a prison ministry. They've posted a couple of videos online, and, uh, and it's pretty remarkable what, what they do. They, um, they, they have a, an event, a one-day event, where they will take, uh, they bring together um, men who are incarcerated in prison. Some are there for a few uh, years. Some are serving lifetime uh, prison sentences. And, and somehow they're able to, to work it out with, uh, with that particular prison, where they will then bring in also the, the families, particularly the kids. And so these are relationships where dad and children have not physically been able to interact or see each other for years. Uh, and in some cases, like, they're, you know, dad's not going to be getting out of prison anytime soon. And so, and so they have these reunions. And it, it's a Christian organization. It's, it's pretty neat what they do, and they, they're able to spend the day together. Uh, it looks like in some cases they actually bring in some presents or some gifts where, you know, then dad is actually able to present a gift um, to the child. And, um, the, and, it's, and, they'll, and they'll even, yeah, you know, like they'll give them like a T-shirt or a nice shirt, you know, so they're not wearing kind of prison garb. But then when they bring them together, you know, you'll have like the, the families in the room and they will like announce, you know, like which dad is coming in. And they come in one at a time and there's kind of this, this fanfare about it. And the greetings are uh, heartbreaking, phenomenal. Um, when you see dad and kids reunited where they haven't seen each other for years, and there's also this awareness that, that after this day is over, like they probably won't see each other for at least a year, maybe years more. Like, it is, it is a powerful... Um, like it, yeah, it just really messes with you <laughs> um, in in a pretty uh, deep way. God's design was that we be able to do life with Dad, and sin and suffering uh, and just a broken world has robbed really millions of people, uh, families of that blessing. Um, sometimes dad has his own brokenness. That makes life hard. Sometimes dad is absent. That makes life is hard. But life was meant to be done with, with dad in the picture, right? I mean, that was, that was the, the original design. And it's gut-wrenching when that doesn't happen, when, when someone isn't uh, able to experience that. And so when you see these events, right, like where these, these little glimmers of hope a reconciliation. It, it's thrilling, uh, but also heartbreaking. We're in, um, we've been going through Isaiah 9 and looking at these different titles uh, that are given to, to God, that are given to Christ. Let me read this to you um, again. So I'm in Isaiah 9, starting in verse 2, and I'll go to the end of verse 7. But we're really focusing in on, on verse 6. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you 
as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoils. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, for the rod of his oppressor, you have broken, as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fueled for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of his increase of his government uh, and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Everlasting Father is very unique amongst the titles that, that are given here, right? I mean, we've got Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Um, this description, Everlasting Father, more than any other term, is, is very personal, right? That God would use the term Father to describe his desired relationship to us, it's really almost invasive, right? Like this one pushes into our space more than any of the other titles. It's personal. It's up close. Um, it, it invades your, your personal space. For Jesus to say, I want to be your father. For God to say, I want to be your father. I am your father. Call me father. Like that's, that's relationally invasive. Like he is assuming a role of really one of the closest people in your life, right? Like, you don't just kind of walk up to somebody, whether you, regardless of how well you know them, and just be like, hey, how about I assume father role in your life, right? And yet that's completely what God does in, in this setting. You can have wonderful counselor and still maintain a certain degree of separation or space, right? Like, you can have mighty God. You, you can have prince of peace and still have a sense of distance. But the term father, like, that gets right inside your bubble. Like, that gets right in close to be father to you. One of the unique things about this, if, if we're understanding God and father... Um, God is everlasting Father, is that all of, ha- all of us have some kind of starting point um, or reference to this one, right? I've not interacted really with many, uh, like princes, kings, that kind of thing, right? Like that's not a relationship that I'm familiar with, right? But I have dad, and all of you have dad. And so th- what, what all of us have father, good father, bad father, whatever— But more likely than not, your experience with your earthly father really becomes the starting point from which you understand God as father. Now, none of us had perfect earthly father, right? So all of us are on a journey to understanding God as the perfect father. But at the same time, to uh, to just kind of recognize, I'm probably starting from that viewpoint where, as I understood my earthly father, that's how I'm going to understand God as father— And so for some of us, that might be a long journey because relationship with dad was a bit rough. Or maybe it's a little bit closer because it was a good relationship with dad, right? For those of you with a loving, God-fearing dad, 
you're, you're blessed in, in some ways. You, you have a head start on Father. Um, father is loving, caring. That's maybe an easy image for you. Uh, in today's world, you may be the minority, right? But for those with dads who were absent or dad was broken or, or mean or, or hurting or hurtful, right, where dad could never quite be pleased, your, your best was never quite good enough, there's a good chance that you have a, a longer journey in understanding God as the good, good father. Um, and I have met more than one adult who, who just emotionally walked with a limp because in some way dad dropped the ball. Um, oftentimes it seems like in the area of affirmation. Like dad was just never quite satisfied. And so then we carry that into our relationship with Christ. All of us are on a journey of understanding or experiencing God as the perfect Father. That journey, we don't change that just by strength of will. Like, we don't just kind of wake up and be like, I have decided that today I will completely understand God is the good, good Father, right? Like, it's not like you can just kind of cognitively make these decisions. We read Scripture. We learn about God as the Father as we, we do things that help us experience God as Father. We hear testimony. From others in the church. We, we do this collectively. God is as the good father. But his desire to be the ultimate dad or the ultimate father to you. It's kind of interesting the, um, uh, in scripture the references to God and father. Um, because in the Old Testament it's actually somewhat rare. The first time we see God and father isn't until Deuteronomy. And it's in a song sung by Moses. And Moses had an incredibly tight relationship with God. I mean, he met with him almost face-to-face every day. Uh, Then it doesn't appear again until David and Solomon, and and God says that he will be a father to Solomon. And again, David had a a remarkable relationship with God. In the Psalms, apparently there's less than half a dozen references to God as father. Of course, then we have Isaiah 9, 6, everlasting father. So it's kind of a, a, a... I wouldn't call it scarce, but not super common idea that we find in the Old Testament. But then we hit the New Testament. Over 150 times, Jesus is just going to refer to God and Father, as God as Father. And he's going to teach us to do the same. In, in the letters in the New Testament, right? So anything after Acts, right? We have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then we have Acts. And then the, basically the rest of the New Testament is letters written be, between them. Out of, out of the letters in the New Testament, all but one of them, 3 John, which is very short, all but one of them will reference God as Father. Like, it is just saturated in the New Testament, this understanding of God as Father. To help us understand God as Father, one of the things that Jesus does is he gives us the, the, the story of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. You're probably very familiar with this story. Um, if you're not, just kind of as, as a quick review, um, you have a dad. He has two sons. One of the sons asks for his inheritance while dad is living. Apparently, culturally, this is hugely insulting because it's basically treating dad as dead. But he says, I want my inheritance now while you're still living. The son then takes that and liquidates half that inheritance, right? So some of you, you know, grew up on a farm. Like, imagine suddenly having to sell off half the farm. Right? I mean, half the land, half the tools, half the everything, right? So son takes that half, liquidates it, you know, gets all the cash for it, goes, travels the world, and just wastes it all, spends it all, 
um, just gets to a place of miserableness and, dis- and realizes, you know what, my servants, my dad's servants had it better than this. I'm going to go back and I'm going to ask, can I work as a servant on, on the home farm? So he journeys home, and while he is a long way off, his father sees him. His father runs to him, and the son barely has a chance to get words out of his mouth. Father embraces him, restores him, gives him authority, right? Like there's robes and rings, and there's kind of all kinds of meaning unpacked in that. Throws a celebration for him. You can commit the most epic of betrayals. You can slander, you can treat as dead, you can despise, you can squander gifts, you can run away to the far corners of the earth, and the moment you turn back, you are met with exuberance, joy, weeping like tears of joy, celebration, feasting, honor, none of which you deserve, but his love for you is not based out of your action. His love for you is based out of his character. And there's, you know, I mean, we could talk about there's still earthly consequences and all that, that kind of thing. And I mean, that's valid. But as far as God is concerned, the way he receives us. Perhaps some of you, um, this story is close. You have prodigal children. You were the prodigal child. Uh, you have a brother or a sister with prodigal children or that kind of thing, right? When the prodigal child returns, or the day that you look forward to when the child returns, right? Like, how do you respond to them as, as a parent, as a family member? Like, do you berate them? I told you so. If only you had listened. It's too late now. Or do you celebrate that? That they are free from it all. That they are returning home. That they are returning from a place of goodness and safety. I mean, even in our own life and even in our own stories, and as we have observed, you know, whether it be family members or just other brothers and sisters in Christ, that prodigal story, I mean, even as humans who wrestle with sin, there's still a desire to receive the prodigal child with celebration. And this is God as Father. Ephesians, great book on identity, identity in Christ. The first idea that gets laid out in Ephesians is that our identity is that we are adopted. This father theme is just all throughout New Testament. Uh, Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly uh, places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. Through Jesus Christ. You know, learning that you're adopted, actually, like, it, it can be disheartening or, and discouraging, or it can be incredibly wonderful, right? Like, if you were under the impression uh, that you have sonship or, or daughtership, you know, by, by birthright, if you thought that you were naturally the, the son or the daughter, uh, then learning that you were adopted could actually be a bit disheartening, right? Like, it, it could feel a, a bit of 
a loss. Anyone who feels entitled to God, anyone who feels entitled to grace, anyone who feels entitled to like religion or church status because whatever dad or grandparent or great-grandparent was this famous Christian person, super Mennonite, whatever, Like, learning that, that sense of adoptedness, like, like, there can easily be a sense of distraught or betrayal in that, right? But if you have known the orphanage, if you experience and you remember the orphanage, where will I spend the night? Who will take care of me? Adoption is a thrill. An absolutely overwhelming emotional thrill. People who understand their sin, people who have felt the pain of separation or loneliness or searching for belonging, those are the ones most thrilled by adoption. Um, Jesus gives us another parable, the story of the two debtors, Luke 7, basically concludes that, you know, those that are forgiven much love much. But here's the tricky part, or not the tricky part, the ironic part. We're all forgiven much. It's just that some of us recognize it. Some of us are, are, are more aware of how much we have been forgiven. And from that flows our gratitude. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Um, everlasting Father. God always has been, always will be. It's interesting, some say that you could almost word that as father of eternity. I mean, they, they say everlasting probably is, is the better wording, but uh, another way to, to say it is father of eternity, which is kind of a, an interesting perspective and, and ties in with other ideas. But just this idea that, that if you want anything inter- eternal, you have to get it from Christ. He is the father of eternity. Only two things will last forever, the Word of God and people. So, so we should probably put our best energy into those things, since those are the only two things that will last forever. Sometimes we see ourselves as earthly beings with some kind of heavenly retirement plan that we're not really sure how it works. But if you look at the scope of eternity, we're actually spiritual beings with a super brief physical intro. If we want anything good in the eternal, we get it from the Father of eternity. Life is meant to happen with Father in our lives. God has such love, passion, commitment towards you that he intentionally uses the term Father, invading your personal space with that word. But it helps us to understand how much he loves us, God calls himself Father because he wants you to know how much he desires to be close to you. No one has a perfect dad. No one, right? Um, There are some amazing dads out there, but all dads are going to fall short of perfectly replicating, you know, Christ. So all of us are on a journey to better understanding God as the perfect Father. We read about him in scripture. We place ourselves in situations where we can experience him. We learn from others. We hear the testimony of others. But no matter what you have done, 
God the Father is right there, ready to receive you with celebration, love, and acceptance because he is the everlasting Father. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are adopted by you. We thank you that you receive us with open arms. We thank you that you love us and that you intentionally invade our personal space with terms like Father. We thank you that you are the everlasting Father, that we can spend eternity with you, and that all good eternal things come from you. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.